Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, this week's guest is well known as one of Ireland's leading sports psychologists who's worked with elite athletes in boxing, athletics, rugby, Gaelic and lots, lots more. But the truth is, is techniques and teachings are just as applicable to everyday life to help us all focus, cope and perform better. And I hope that from today's episode, you'll come away with tips, content, tools that I'm going to pull from Jerry Hussey's brain as he's in studio with us in Independent House. Jerry, a very big welcome to Thank the Real Health Podcast. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be here. How's life? Life is very good, actually. Um, yeah, life is good. I have a new baby on the way. so I'm No way! The, the great Congratulations! Un- I didn't know that. Thank you. I'm going into the great unknown myself. So um, That's I, amazing news. Yeah, we're delighted now. We're Oh my God. And yeah. can I ask how many months? Yeah, we've twi- we're one week 25, so... <sighs> You're into uh, the business end of it now. It's getting very real now and we're starting to uh, to really realise that uh, something special is about to happen and, and we don't know what that is. Um, it's our first child, so... Amazing. Yeah, we're delighted. Really delighted. Well, if I can give you one tip uh, from a reasonably new parent, my son is about he's a, he's a year now, uh, get as much sleep now as you possibly can because we're, st- we're at the 12 months of basically no sleep. Yeah. So uh, that's incredible news. Yeah, we're looking forward. Looking forward to... Um, I think it's a gift and, you know, please God, the baby's born healthy and well. Mm. And after that, we'll figure out as we go. So we're not putting any grave pressure on ourselves, but uh, we're really excited. Amazing. OK, well, look, I'm going to move this on. Um, I want to chat initially about the work that you do with elite athletes, mm. um, the kind of work that you do, the kind of athletes you work with and how that's applicable to everyday life to our listeners who, who are listening in. So tell us a little bit about the athletes that you work with. Yeah, of course. I started almost 20 years ago now um, working with uh, Olympic boxing team, the Irish boxing team, and we were basically starting from scratch with a, a, a team or a, a sport that really had been underperforming for, for 20, 25 years. And Irish boxers we knew had were physically strong and we were, they were you know, we were, we were with loads of heart, but we never really seemed to perform in the big stage. So we had to kind of just go back to basics and, and, and ask what this was, you know. So we started to look more closely at the mental side of stuff. And having boxed myself, I realized that, you know, a lot of elite athletes have strength coaches, speed coaches, physiotherapists, everything, everything's working on the physical. But as we know now, so much of your performance day to day is actually in the state of mind. It's being present, being in that moment, being able to make decisions under pressure, not allowing emotion to get the better of you. And yet, when I looked at the boxing system, there was no, nothing there. There was no program to train the brain or, or the mind. And, and the brain and mind are very different. But So I was lucky enough that they give me the opportunity to develop a, a mental training program and helping box to, to mentally and emotionally perform better, day in, day out, become more resilient, develop self-confidence and make better decisions under pressure. And um, I had an incredible time with the boxers. We were there for Beijing and, and London. And and then that led to me working with the likes of Munster Rugby. And I got to work with some of my idols and people like David Gillick, the, the athlete. And I work with uh, Olympic rowers, track cyclists. And it was really a fascinating time but my, my my passion is two things one is there is no performance without health so i've always been really interested in the connection between health and performance because if you push an athlete hard day in day out week in week out for four or eight years and then they get to the olympic games and they get a cold a flu or a virus it's all gone out the window 
So I've always been aware that we need people to be healthy. In order to perform, we need them to be healthy. We need to be physically healthy, mentally healthy. So if I was to try help the team not get sick, I had to start asking bigger questions. What is it that makes people get sick? And we think sometimes it's something that falls out of the blue and that we've no control over. But the more I started to research and, and asked professionals, those gaps, nobody seemed to know. Everyone seemed to just expect or just accept that it was almost bad luck. But I didn't want to accept that. I think that we, I believed at the time that we could be more proactive in managing our own health. So I started to research things around the impact of stress on sickness, the impact of our thoughts, the impact of our diet, the impact of our central nervous system. So if you're pushing athletes week in, day in, day out, and their central nervous system is highly activated, if it's not being recovered well, the impact that has. So I suddenly realized things like sleep, diet, or thoughts, or rest have a massive impact. And the more I got really interested in the link between health and performance was the most amazing thing I, I realized that the word disease is actually lack of ease. Lack of ease in the mind or lack of ease in the body leads to a physical disease. And when I really brought that in, so we had to create an environment in which we managed performance, but we also managed health. And through meditation, through visualization, we change mindsets. And I'm delighted to say that in all the different athletes I brought to different Olympic Games, none of them ever got a cold or a virus or a flu. And I became really passionate about people's health because everybody says, you know, my health is the most important thing to me. But then when I ask them, what do you do on a daily basis to proactively manage it? We eat the wrong foods. We don't sleep enough. And the link that between the physical body and our emotions and our thoughts is so amazing. And now we're seeing that so many of our diseases that we see in our modern world is actually lifestyle-based. We're actually living, thinking ourselves into sickness. So that's my real passion with athletes. It wasn't just about winning medals. It was about allowing them to win medals on the biggest stages, but making sure that when they finished, they finished healthy and alive with a, a heightened sense of self-identity, a heightened self of self-awareness. So they could look back and say, that was an incredible time, a time I really, really was at my very best. And a lot of what you talk about there is equally as relevant to the everyday person in of terms course. of the all those impacts in terms of stress, sleep, fuel, in terms of food. It's, it's incredibly relatable to an athlete as it is to a person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, you know, every athlete is a human being. And I've always said that, you know, I'm more interested in human beings than I am medals or, or sport. So we always treated athletes as human beings. Because what is it that everybody wants? What is it that I want? You know, please God, I want to be the best dad that I can be. I'd love to think I'll be at my, my, my son's wedding if he gets married or my daughter's wedding. I'd love to see I'll see my grandchild. And I have a role to play in that. The future doesn't just happen. It's actively created by the way I live my life now, the amount of stress, the amount of ease. So what I say to people is the future doesn't happen. It's being created right now by the way you're thinking, the way you're eating. So sometimes with my clients, I'd get them to just close their eyes and replay. Look at the way you're living over the last 12 months, the speed at which you're living, the thoughts you're allowing run through your mind, the amount of sleep you're getting or not sleeping, getting, the food you're eating. If nothing changed, and you continue 
to live in that way, what does that look like in 10, 15 years time? What does it look like in your physical health, in your mental health? Because I've seen, Carl, when people initially used to start coming to me, they only came when their mental health broke down. And I think as health professionals, we can't be simply treating sick people. And I really got tired of seeing the human cost of when someone's mental health or physical health broke down. And if someone says, you have six months to live, everything changes. And then everybody says, I wish I could go back in time. So I became passionate. I'm not sitting in an office. I would need to get out and tell people, don't wait until your health fails and, and realize that the stuff you do on a daily basis is creating that future. And that future is one of ease or it's one of disease. And if you want to be at your, your daughter's wedding, if you, want to be at, if you want to see your grandchildren, you have a role to play in that right now. You're not, uh, you're not a passenger in your own wellness. You actually can proactively manage it. So I think one of the, the key tips to begin with, uh, if that replay that you replay in your mind over the course of the last 12 months is a negative one, or one that you see isn't what you want to see, it's about taking accountability. It's first and foremost, and that's the, you know, the hardest part with me is I go into people one-on-one or I go into a business and I, I observe the team and I observe the people and then I have to sit down with somebody and someone is sitting there and they're anxious and they're talking at 100 miles an hour and they're breathing very fast and they're drinking coffee and they're eating croissants and they're asking me to come in and find out what the problem is in the business. So I might be sitting with the CEO and I'm observing all of this heightened anxiety, this constant state of distraction. So I have to break the news to them. So they say, have you seen the problem, Jerry? And I'll say, yeah, I've seen the problem. Is it the HR department? No, it's not the HR department. Is it the legal department? That's not the legal department. So we keep going down. Eventually, they start getting annoyed. And say, well, where is the problem? And I'll say, do you really want me to tell you? And they say, of course, I want you to tell me. So I said, the problem is you. Most of us have to realize that we are at least 50% of our own chaos. Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, has this incredible statement. And he says, the last and most powerful of all human dignities is our ability to choose our response in any situation. So I am not my environment. My environment may be chaotic, but I do not need to be. I might be with somebody that's been angry and aggressive, but I don't need to be angry and aggressive. I have responsibility and accountability for my own response. And the hardest part for me is to sit in front of a client and say, do you really want to know what the problem is? It's you. What's the strangest reaction you've had to that? Oh, people say, who do you think you are? Uh, I, I'm not paying you to come in here and tell me I'm the problem. Um, and people have different, resp- and, you know, and, you know, you know, my wife, Miriam, and, and we're very honest with each other. And she will often sit, often sit in front of me and say, Jerry, do you want to know what the problem is? It's you. And we'll all naturally resist it for a little while. But the only thing I get to control in my life is who I am and how I'm showing up, how much ease I'm taking into my life. And the greatest lie people will tell themselves is there is no time. I realized a long time ago that life expectancy is 900 months, but we sleep 300. We have only 600 months on this planet. At my age, I'm lucky if I have 280 left. So I became very comfortable early in my life that there isn't time for everything. So time is precious. So I started to realize that instead of worrying about the amount of time I have on the planet, if I can't infinitely expand that, what I can expand is the time that I have. And we all know if if somebody's had to wait 
10 hours to find out if their child had leukemia. That feels like a lifetime. We know that we have the ability to expand time. And if we can become more present in our day, that 600 months can be expanded. Time can seem infinite. So what I say is, if your world seems fast-paced and unstable, it's not. It's just your mind. Because time is one of the constants we have. There are 60 seconds in every minute. There are 60 minutes in every hour. It never changes. But our mind changes. And we can, when I started to study a long time ago, the first thing I did was the art of slowing things down. So with the boxers, we trained them to be in the ring and slow everything down. So it's almost, it was like in slow motion. Of course, they won medal after medal after medal. It was like everything, everybody else was in slow motion. So we see the world not as it is, but as we are. So once we start to slow our inner world down, everything slows. People say, I haven't time to stop and breathe. If we stop talking here, Carl, for 60 seconds, and we just allowed the listeners to listen to 60 seconds of silence, it feels like a lifetime. So it's not that the world is full of external distractions. It's that we have an internal need to be distracted all the time because we find it hard to sit in silence. We find it hard to ask ourselves hard questions like, am I really happy? Is this the life I dreamed? Do I feel loved? And I think a lot of people are desperately running from something, are desperately uneasy in silence. And they're trying to fill every second with something, some distraction. And then they're giving out the time is moving fast. So for me, we have to stop telling ourselves lies. Time is not moving fast. So it's accountability. It's looking inside. Absolutely. And it's being truthful with yourself. The hardest thing is to be truthful with ourselves. The hardest part is to ask the question is, how is my response contributing to the chaos in my life? How am I allowing... We all make decisions around food. Are they the best decisions? Around sleep. And it is hard to look at ourselves in the mirror. And I, no different to anybody else, I find it hard at times because I want to blame somebody else. But you have to keep coming back. Like Frankel says, I have to choose my response. I, I get to choose who I am. I get to choose the mo from moment to moment how I choose to spend that. And for me, when I talk about the disease of distraction, the more distracted we get, is time is just going 100 miles an hour and we can't stop it. And it's almost like we don't know what month it is. Mount people said to me, oh, I, you know, I lose track of time. And, and You should lose track of time for the right reason, because you're immersed in something beautiful, because you're present. If you're short on the amount of time that you have with a friend or with a child or with somebody, then what you have to do is make sure that the quality of that time is really important. If I had one message to your listeners, it's use each day as if it's a gift, because it is. And even when I say 900 months, there's no guarantee you have 900 months left. I ask people all the time, what are the three most important things in your life? And they will say, my children. My, fa my, wedding, my, my family and my health. And then I ask them, what are the three things that take up most of your time? And they don't, they're looking at me. And in order to change, in order to make a simple decision to stop, to breathe, to change the fizzy drink for a glass of water, to get out for a walk, 
it's not about knowing what's right because all of us know what we need to be doing, but we don't do it. And I think we don't do it because we lack a why. And the reason, a, st- a story I tell that, that explains the importance of having a powerful why is I had a client who came to me and she CEO of a large business, but her life was getting away from her. She wasn't spending enough time with her family. She was putting on weight. Her health was deteriorating. And I knew that she was now pre-sick. She was on the road to serious sickness. So we intervened and we started her own meditation and exercise and things were changing and changing greatly for her. But every time she'd come in and meet me one-to-one, she was delighted with the way stuff was going. I'm losing weight, I have more energy, I'm sleeping better. And then she'd say, but how are the cigarettes, Jerry? And I'd say, what about them? Do I need to give them? Oh, no. I said, no, keep going. She'd leave bewildered. Four or five sessions, she'd keep asking, do I need to give up the cigarettes? I'd say, absolutely not. But she was getting more and more confused. So at the end of one session, she said, Jerry, what about these cigarettes? I said, what about the cigarettes? She said, you love them. And life is about love. So if you love them, do more of them. She said, that doesn't make any sense. I said, it doesn't make any sense because you're asking the wrong question. Your questions are around cigarettes. And when you think of cigarettes, when you say the word cigarettes, it triggers the newer circuits in your brain that knows everything about cigarettes, how much you love them, the feeling of, of the addiction, the feeling of the nicotine and all the nice things. So you need to change your question. She said, what do you mean? I said, how old's your daughter? She said, my daughter's three. I said, would you like to be at her wedding? She said, of course. I said, if you keep smoking, you won't. And I got her to visualize being at the been in, in the front row at her daughter's wedding and observing the daughter's dress and the man that she thinks she'd marry and then zoning in on the face and seeing the emptiness in, in, in her daughter's face. I got her to visualize her daughter walking down the aisle on what should be the happiest day of her life and feeling her daughter's emptiness and sadness. And I got her to visualize the daughter getting into the wedding car, leaving for the church, and instead of turning right for the reception, turning left and going to the graveyard and kneeling at her, at her grave. I got her to feel it because it has to be sensory. I got her to feel what that would feel like, not just think about it. Now we're no longer thinking about cigarettes. So the newer secretary of the brain that thinks about cigarettes is no longer activated. We've activated a newer secretary of the brain that's to do with love, with our dream. We're no longer inspired by our memory of the past. I am a smoker. A smoker. We're now inspired by our vision of the future. I am a mother and I want to be at that wedding. And when she saw the devastation that would cause, I asked her to open her eyes and I held out 20 of her favorite cigarettes. I said, do you want to smoke now? She said, no. So I said, you need to ask a better question. Every single one of us is only one question away from a major breakthrough. And that one question might be, am I actually happy? Is this the life I dreamed about? Is this relationship serving me? People say sometimes, Jerry, you know, those questions are very awkward. They're difficult questions. They're not. The question is just a question. The answer is what's difficult. But every single one of us, deep in our heart, we know what we want. We know what's serving us. We know what's running from us. And the only question I ask is, are you willing to spend the rest of your life running and hiding and accepting second best? Or can you see the magic in your own eyes? Can you remember what it's like to be free of doubt and to be passionate and full of energy? And would you not like to have a chance at living, really living this one short life? And for me, that's the gift. And whether that's an athlete that says, I need to go and and fight in the Olympic Games, forget about the medal. If that's what you want, 
go after it because you'll get one crack at this and it's not a dress rehearsal. If you want to be at your daughter's wedding, then look at everything you're doing right now, every decision you're making around food and sleep and ask, is that going to help me get closer to the vision of what I want? We need to be inspired by a vision of the future. And we all should have a vision of the future painted. We should all see the life that we want, the person that I want to be. Because if we're waiting for someone to give us the permission to be happy or the permission to be healthy or the permission to go after our dreams, that's never going to come. We're never going to get somebody else's permission because everybody else has an agenda. So we have to honor our own humanity and we have to honor our own time and start making decisions based on the person that I want to be. You're listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. That ties into your key philosophy, or one of your key philosophies, I suppose, which is the win uh, philosophy. Explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, so many different philosophies now, but W-I-N <laughs> for me is very important. It's uh, in order to win in life, we need to know what's important now. And it goes back to what I said about my cho- my ability to choose my response. Sometimes, let's say a pilot's in, in a cockpit of an aircraft and the wing falls off. He could spend the next 10 minutes thinking about this is highly unfair. My uncle flew for airline for 50 years. This never happened. This is highly. Why is this happening to me? And he can get lost in a narrative. And now he's emotionally responding to something that's not even happening outside. He's responding to a narrative and not the fact. Now that the wing falls off, that's something you can't control. But now you can control your response. So now that the wing has fallen off, what's important now? I need to shift the fuel. I need to alter the course. I need to plot a new runway. And if you're attentive to the stuff that you can control, then your likelihood of success is far better. And yet, so many of us spend so much time thinking and talking about stuff we can't control. So I would say to people, always identify what is in my my control, what can I influence, and what have I no control over? Do not allow your energy to be sacked or sucked by things that you've no control over. And people who are accountable, people who are high performers, tend to put their time and energy into stuff that they can control. So WIN is what's important now. Even if whatever is after happening isn't what you expected, and it's not what you want. If it's happened, it's happened. So we have to accept it has happened and then quickly make a decision on how am I choosing to respond. So I suppose that ties in with, um, when you take away distraction, you take ownership, it ties into the flow state. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, flow state for me, it's a state of consciousness. So we've multiple states of consciousness. So the one that we're all probably most aware of, unconscious or subconscious programs. So subconscious programs is something that I've learned, but it's something that I've learned in my experience as Jerry. So it's my past, that's my memories. So I believe I'm right-handed. So when the phone rings, I'm likely to answer it. The truth is I could answer it with my left hand as well. So we start to limit ourselves based on the subconscious doesn't want different, it doesn't want change, it wants equilibrium. So it just wants you to do the same thing over and over again. Order the same coffee, go to the same coffee shop, do the same things, respond in the same way. So subconscious programs are helpful because they allow us to do things really, really fast. We don't need huge amounts of thoughts, but they're dangerous because without that level of thought, we just tend to respond all this all the time. Then we have conscious. So conscious one is when I shift into the prefrontal cortex of the brain. I'm no longer in the limbic part of the brain. I'm no longer running on emotion of stress and anxiety. I'm actually present in the moment. 
I can see things happening as they are. And I can question my own decisions. Is this the best response? Is this the way I'm responding right now? Is it opening my mind or is it closing my mind? So consciousness is around getting out of the unconscious programs. And what would better look like? What would a different response? And then the other one that most people don't talk about is pure consciousness. So pure consciousness is based on energy. And we are all energy. So pure consciousness is where flow state happens. It is where I get out of my own memory and my own lived experience. And I allow my body to do what it's naturally meant to do. So you imagine, Carl, you know, you and I both were babies at some stage. And we both, uh, you have a baby and I'm having one. But if you think of a baby in a womb, <clears throat> the mom and dad can do what they, the best they can to help the baby develop. But the baby knows how to develop. There is something in the baby. There is some electrical charge that is allowing billions of brain neurons to make. It is allowing cells to become kidney cells, liver cells, lung cells. It is allowing hormones. There is a natural intelligence. So even when the mom is asleep, the baby is receiving a signal. It's downloading from a blueprint from somewhere and it is becoming the best expression of itself. No doctor, no scientist at the moment can explain where consciousness comes from. That pure, untapped consciousness that has that incredible intelligence, it created your body. And we all have that. So through meditation, we can get out of the unconscious programs. We can become conscious. And then there is a third door in which we go into pure consciousness, and that is flow state. And in that flow state, you instinctively know the right thing. You see things fast because now you are not distracted by memories, fears, or expectations. You are simply responding with, or you're downloading from that natural intelligence. So you look at the most incredible songwriters, artists. I work with people who have wrote the most incredible songs in 20 minutes, but they might spend two days meditating. And when I ask them, where did that song come from? They have no idea. I work with a, a, a singer who one of the most famous songs in the world at the moment with some of the most beautiful lyrics written in eight minutes. And he had no idea where it came from. We can all tap into something different. It is a universal field in which all the great um, scientists would call, you know, uh, the quantum physicists would call it the quantum field. It has been known as the magnified field or the unified field. It is the field from which there is a signal that allowed you to create your own body. Imagine that intelligence the billions of fibers that have gone into creating you. There is a natural intelligence at play in the unified field that has created the whole universe. The rhythm of the stars and the sky, there is something, now whether you call that God or life force or the unified field or quantum physics, call it the quantum field. But the flow state is when we leave our human experiences and all that is me and I enter that which is everything, which is the magnified field. And in that field, I just instinctively know and see and feel things at a whole different, clearer, more powerful way. On a very basic level, could, could you call that the almost being in the zone? So, for example, if I'm running a marathon or a prime example would be uh, last year before last, we did race around Ireland. Mm. So 2,200 kilometers, team of four became a team of three, became a team of two from Clare, from Kerry all the way around. There's one succinct um, part of that 
where towards the end, one of the last big climbs in Wicklow after three and a half days of racing, mm. I'm a slow descender. Mm. But I descended the best descent I've ever had. Yeah. And I, I can remember it. I was at one, this will sound really weird, yeah. but I was at one with the bike. Yeah. It was as if myself and the bike were one, despite the fact I hadn't mm. slept in, three, maybe I, it was it was lack of sleep, but I hadn't slept in three days. But it was the yeah. it was the, the, the best moments mm. on a bike that I think I've ever had. Yeah. And it was all, it was beyond being in the zone, which you'd hit when you run in a marathon or whatever, you have that moment of time where it's effortless mm-hmm. and you kind of cruise along. Yeah. It was beyond that. It was almost, it was almost something quite spiritual actually yeah. in, a, in, a, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. So is that a, a, I suppose, a relatable version of flow state for people who, it's if exact... they're going out for their run, their, their 5K and one of those kilometers mm-hmm. just breezes by. Yeah, you're not even thinking about it. You don't even think about it. And when you, when I speak to most of the greatest athletes that I work with and we look at a, a particular moment or something incredible happened and I say what we're thinking about this say nothing when we can leave our own mind and the, the problem with the word mindfulness we need to reverse that it's mindlessness so go back to the baby in the womb that is creating himself what is he thinking about what is he conscious of he is allowing the universe to flow through him every single one of us are spiritual beings we are energy we are quantum energy and this whole universe now that we know and and the field of quantum physics has changed everything so we know that every single one of us is more energy than matter when you allow that unified field that universal energy to flow through you when you get out of your own subconscious programs get out of your past get out of your own thoughts and you become one with everything that is you realize that the same power that moves oceans is available to you and the way I explain this, it goes back almost to the why. Sometimes I put a chair in front of a group of people I'm speaking to, maybe corporates, and I would ask, I put a, a number of dumbbells on it, so maybe five, 25 kgs, and they're looking at this, 125 kgs on the chair. So I asked three priming questions. Who goes to the gym every day? Few hands go up. Who goes to the gym every day and lifts weights? Very few hands go up. Who likes making a show of themselves in front of people? Everyone starts laughing. <laughs> and then I have, after priming, I say, hands up who thinks they could lift this chair? So no hands go up. And then I say, let me change everything, but by changing nothing. The chair is still 125 kgs. Your three-year-old daughter, and maybe I can ask you this, Carl, because you're a dad. Your child is trapped underneath the chair. There's nobody else in the building. They're suffocating and will die in 10 seconds unless you can lift it three inches. Do you think you'd lift it now? You lift the chair. Why? Because the, the why is strong enough. Because why? Because there was no distraction. Because at that moment, you have tapped into a thing called love. You have tapped into a primal something that gives you a power that goes beyond the physical. We have to think beyond physical. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience, but we're not physical beings. We are more energy than matter. And we have to embrace that whole idea of at the greatest times in my life, I wasn't thinking about anything. And the greatest musicians, the greatest songwriters, the people who wrote the greatest poems and greatest books have said, I have no idea where that came from. The more we try to do something, the more we overthink something, is the less likely we are to do it. So all I did with the athletes I worked with, I allowed them to be on the biggest stage in the world, doing what they loved in a flow state. And the medals just kept coming in. And every single one of us has the ability to get out of our unconscious programs 
get into our conscious. And finally, through meditation, through practicing things like non-attachment, non-judgment, non-striving, by opening our spiritual self, we enter another door into the magnified or the unified field. And when you're in that space, just like that parent who lifted that chair, it might be a day later, you'll say to me, Carl, how the hell did I lift that chair? And I'll say, I have no idea, but you did. So for your listeners, I want you to think about what would the chair have to weigh before you wouldn't lift it if your child was trapped underneath? And even a better question, what would the chair have to weigh before you wouldn't even try to lift it? And what in your life right now you're not even trying? What if you could tap into that love, that non-distraction, where you could physically and mentally turn up at your best for yourself? What could you achieve then? What's the life you could live? And that's the most exciting part. So the more we, we look towards the mind, we realize that the brain and the mind are two separate entities. Neuroscience is incredible. It has showed us so many great things that we need to know about the brain, but it still struggles to find out where consciousness exists. So the brain receives an electrical signal. It processes the electrical signal and it, it communicates the electrical signal. But nobody knows where the electric signal comes from. Consciousness does not lie in the brain. I think when you can start to embrace that fact, you realize then that we are energy fields. We have a magnetic field around us all the time. So our body is actually in our mind. Our mind isn't in our body. Our brain is responding to our mind. And when we fill that mind with freedom and connection to love and to self, and we get out of fear and we get out of our learned programs, it is amazing what we can achieve. And it is amazing the life that we can start to have for ourselves. And when we start to bring that level of ease into our life, it lowers cortisol levels. It lowers stress levels. Our central nervous system isn't as activated. And it's amazing the amount of health things that start to disappear. But when we're highly loaded and highly caught up in our own fears and our own worries and our active central nervous system is overactivated, it's no wonder we start to get sick. Folks, every now and again, we have a guest that comes on to the Real Health podcast that shuts me up, where I actually say about 10 words in the whole interview. This has been one of those very rare interviews, and that only happens when we bring in people who are the best in their field, who can fill 30 minutes of airtime themselves without very little intervention from me as the host. I've been sitting here, uh, as have the rest of the team in the studio over the course of the last 35 minutes or so, uh, transfixed in some in some way, shape or form, because the content, the way you delivered has been has been just so well done. And even as you talk about the questions to ask yourself, you're almost half asking yourself while, while I'm listening to you, which is very weird. But however, um, what I am going to do is, we've only ever done this once before, and I'm going to call it now, uh, is the fact that this is going to be episode one with Jerry Hussey. If you'd agreed to come back into us in a couple of weeks' time, maybe to. six to eight weeks' time, we're going to give you homework from today's episode, which is to have a listen and to the episode, like really listen to it, implement and ask some of those questions that Jerry's been talking about and do your homework over the course of the next couple of weeks by putting the time into asking the tough questions. 
and then we'll build on that with another episode in a couple of weeks time I think there's so much content here and it's rare we say that as a show you know our shows are normally 30-35 minutes that there's easily another episode in this and I think we'll step it in the fact that do the homework from uh, today's show and we'll come back with Jerry in a couple of weeks time and we'll build on this and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll take it even further um, Jerry Hussey if people want to find out more about you where do they find you? Yeah, the easiest place is uh, soulspace.ie. Um, that's the business I, I'm, I'm most committed to. Um, myself and my wife, Miriam, and we have a, a series of events called Soul Sundays. So our website is soulsundays.ie or soulspace.ie and uh, people can see the type of stuff I do and contact me direct and anytime. And as you can see, I'm, ju- I'm just passionate about this and I'm passionate about health. So if I can help any listener in any way, I'd be more than delighted to do so. Amazing. And your Instagram account? At Jerry Hussey. I think for a second. That's that Jerry Hussey. <laughs> i got to put you on the spot. Folks, a deep, thoughtful, powerful episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. I think you'd agree. And I also think you'll agree with getting Jerry back in the studio is going to be of massive benefit to all of us in a couple of weeks' time. As ever, you know where we are. It's Real Health at independent.ie at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram. And next week, we are going to announce the winners of our rate and review competition for the five copies uh, and five uh, different listeners who will receive them, who will win the competition. We'll announce all that in in uh, on, on next week's show. Have an amazing week. Have a have a week of thought and processing and doing the hard work. Uh, and listen back to the app uh, at any stage if you need to. I really hope you enjoyed that. I know I certainly did. I've been trying to get Jerry in for a very long time. He'll tell you that. I've been hounding him. Uh, and I'm delighted to eventually have got him here. He's an incredible guy. I've seen him present and I've seen his stuff. And uh, we're delighted to have him in studio on the Real Health Podcast today. Jerry Hussey, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.